We all do dumb stuff from time to time. Things that on the front end we think, ah, maybe I shouldn't do this. And yet we do it anyway. And then when it doesn't work out or it backfires on us in some way, we're like, ah, I should have known better. I should have known better. Come on, come on, come on. What was I thinking? Like, like um, when you're putting something together and you neither read nor follow the instructions. Ah, yeah, I think we've all been there. And it's even more frustrating when it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> you remember your parents, you've done that, grandparents? Okay. You're like, oh, yeah, this looks easy enough. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a guy now that I'm just like, if it doesn't have diagrams, because I'm a, I'm a visual, you know, and I, I'm a type A detail-oriented person, and I've done this, you know, I'm like, oh, I should have. I know better. I know better. What's wrong with me? I know better. I know better kind of thing. You're like, yep, yep, I know. But here's what's even more frustrating. When you pull out the instructions and you do the right thing, and you read them, and you look at the pictures, and you follow them to a T, and still not right. What happened? I read the instructions, I followed them, it doesn't look like the picture. The thing's all wobbly, it won't stand up straight, it's not working, you know, it's not operating. It's like, what? It's so, it's so frustrating, isn't it? When you do the right thing, and it just doesn't work out the way you expected. Now, it's one thing to be putting together a piece of furniture or a toy or a piece of equipment or something and have that experience. It's a whole nother level when that happens in life. When it happens when it comes to following Jesus. When you're like, I did the right thing. I did the right thing. I did what I, I knew was best. I, I did what I thought was best. I did... What was wise? And, and I don't get it. You find yourself stuck in between doing the right thing and the reward for doing the right thing. Find yourself stuck. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I can't figure out what went wrong. I, I did the best I know, knew to do. And, or maybe you take it one step further and you're like, I, I did what the Bible said. I thought. I, I did the thing that was honoring Jesus. I, I thought. I mean, I did the best thing I know to do with my job. I just don't, I just don't get it. I mean, when it comes to finances, I'm, I'm making smart choices. I just don't know. I don't know when this is going to pay off. When am I going to get that raise? When am I going to get that advancement? When am I going to get that position? When am I, when's someone going to recognize my accomplishments, what I've been doing? It's like nobody sees. And I'm doing the right thing in my marriage. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing what I, I know I'm doing what a husband should do and a wife. When? When's it going to pay off in my marriage? When's my marriage going to get better? Or you look at your kids and you're like, I know I'm doing everything I know to do as a parent, as a mom, as a dad. When is it going to show up in the life of my kid? When is God going to? To bless me for doing what is right. When is it going to pay off? Now here's the point where sometimes non-Christians, your non-Christian friends or family members, or, or maybe some of you that are with us and you would consider yourself, I'm, I'm not a Christian, 
We're so glad you're here. Maybe that's when non-Christians look at this and go, see, that's why y'all are crazy, you Christians, you Jesus followers. Because, see, you're following Jesus and you live this way and you believe these things and you do these things and you make these sacrifices and yet you have the same problems I got. You're dealing with the same stuff I am. And, and, and it's just not, you're saying it's not paying off for you the way you thought. You see, that's why, that's why, that's why. Well, first of all, that's a bit short-sighted, but I understand why you would think that way. Could it make sense? What we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is specifically geared to Christians. But if you're a non-Christian, this is going to help give you a context for what you're feeling, for what you're thinking. When you see people do what's right and it doesn't seem to pay off. And they're stuck in between. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you might just be thinking, honestly, I feel like, I feel like I've been duped. I feel like somebody's given me some unrealistic expectations because I've been doing this, doing this, and, and doing what's right, and it's just not working out, man. So I don't, I don't know what's the use. See, the problem is, as followers of Jesus, a lot of times we, we talk about a life of faith, but what we want is a formula. And that's kind of sometimes the way it's pitched, right? Well, you need to go to church, you need to read your Bible, and you need to pray, and you need to do this, you need to do this. And all those things are good things. And so you might find yourself going, I'm doing all that. I am in church, see? And when I'm not there physically, I'm, I'm online watching. I don't read my Bible. I don't understand a lot of it. But I do my best, and I'm praying. I'm not praying, and I don't mean just like pray before you eat so I don't choke kind of pray. I mean like I'm seriously driving down the road, talking to God. I'm doing it, and I don't get it. I don't understand. We're going to talk about it. And I think one thing that we need to do that will help, because I understand this. I, I, I feel this very same things, and there's some things in my life right now that I feel very much in, in between. Doing the right thing and the reward. I'm waiting on the payoff. We have to keep in mind, I have to keep in mind, and I invite you to do it with me, a broader perspective. We have to pay attention to the two undeniable realities of life. And it's true whether you like it or not, whether you understand it or not, or whether you believe it or not, doesn't mean it's not true. Here they are. There's this life, it's a reality, because we're in it. And the next one. You say, well, I don't believe in the next life. Okay, well, you have the luxury of not believing that until you're there. But the deal is, everybody lives forever somewhere. We're all eternal beings. And so there's this life and the next. And it's so important to keep that in mind when you start thinking, when is this going to pay off? When is this going to pay off? When is this going to be worth it? Whatever it is you're doing that you feel like is honoring to the way of Jesus that you're not being rewarded for yet. Those two perspectives. Um, let me, okay, let's try this. This will help you remember it. Let me take you back to Sesame Street to illustrate these two realities, these two perspectives. Let me take you back to Sesame Street and Grover. Remember Grover, one of the blue guys? Yeah, round head. Yeah, Grover. And do you remember Grover near and far? 
You remember Grover's lesson on near and far? If you are blessed to be so young to not know anything about Grover, near and far, YouTube it, Grover, near and far, and watch it. Near? And far. I show you near. Okay. Okay. This is near. I want to see far one more time. Okay, I show you. And this is far. Some of you are like, man, I can't wait to be far away from this place because this guy has lost his mind. Maybe, possibly, but you won't forget that, William. And the next time you see Grover, you're going to think about this near and far, near and far, two realities. Let's break them down like this. The far is eternal. Where the ultimate reward is for doing what is right. It's just as real as now. It's just as real as you are, as the skin on your body. It's just as real as this moment. You're just not there yet. And so for us to doubt its reality because we're not there is so human of us, right? Come on. Eternally is the ultimate reward for every good thing we ever do in trusting and following Jesus. It is the ultimate reward, the ultimate payoff, perfection. We have words for this. We have heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, it's when everything will be ultimately worth it and nobody's going to get to heaven with complaints about how things went on earth. Nobody gets to heaven and say, wow, this is great and all. This is great, but I got some questions. What was that? And why didn't I get that car? Right? I mean, it's really cool to be able to just kind of teleport places now. Loving that. But I really wanted to drive that truck. I mean, wow, look at the digs on this place. Gee, Jesus, my man, what's up? Okay. <laughs> but I really wanted to live in that neighborhood. Why didn't we get, why didn't I get that job? Why didn't we have more, why didn't I have more money? Nobody gets to heaven and, and saying, ah, I just wish things were easier back there on earth. Because immediately it's the ultimate reward, the ultimate payoff, and it's all worth it. That's far. That's eternal. And we must keep that in mind. Keep that in our focus and never lose sight of that. When you find yourself stuck in between doing what is right and good and the reward, don't lose sight of far. Don't lose sight of eternal because it's so real and it will happen. Now let's look at it on the other side. Here's where we are now. The near. See, that's the problem. That's the issue. That's why I feel stuck. That's why you feel stuck. We look at the near and the now, and we're like, what gives? But here's the truth. While far and eternal, that is the ultimate reward, here in the near and the now are many rewards still. 
So many reasons to do the right thing. So many reasons to trust and follow Jesus. So many upsides. So many pluses. It doesn't mean life is perfect. doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. I mean, if you just think about a life of meaning and a life of purpose. You think about peace. You think about joy. You think about perspective. You think about the family of faith that you and I get to experience. You think about what it means to follow Jesus here and near and now on earth. Why would we do that? There are so many reasons. In fact, let me say it like this. I firmly believe that following Jesus is simply a better way to live, even when things aren't better. Following Jesus is just a, I mean, it's a better way to live. Even when things aren't better. Even when you look around, you're like, well, it's not quite working out the way I thought, so I'm done. Now, we'll talk about that. It's just simply better. And we look around and we're like, I just wish things were better now, though. I want things to get better now. I'm with you. I get it. Me too. Me too. Things in my life right now are like, I'm ready for some relief in this area. But I have to remind myself constantly, tap myself on the shoulder and say, okay, okay, bud. Okay, bud. Think, think far. Think far. Think far. Now, here, near, who knows how it's going to change? Who knows what will happen? You never know. You never know. I mean, it may pay off in many ways here because so many things do. But it's either here and near or it's coming far. And far may be, hear me, far may be nearer than we can possibly imagine. And, and one more thing. When I, when I look into the New Testament and I read about the brothers and sisters that came before us, those very first Christians, you know what? I don't see any of them. I don't see any of them expecting their life to get a whole lot easier because they decided to follow Jesus. I mean, they, they saw the upsides. They, 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 saw, they saw that there were so many benefits for following Christ, and they talk about that, but they also knew, they also knew that to begin following Jesus was to kind of put a target on their back in the first century. That things were not necessarily going to get easier for them. That's kind of a modern phenomenon. That's a modern, that is a modern expectation. And it's bigger than just Christians here in America. But man, we got that bad. We got a bad case of the just thinking and expecting following Jesus means things get easier. Come following Jesus, right? Because we're expecting all of the reward and the payoff here and now. We're forgetting about far. So I want us to make sure we keep these two realities in mind because when Jesus said and described what it meant to follow him, this is what he said. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to understand it's going to be hard and that you may be misunderstood and mistreated. Jesus described following him as a self-denying, cross-carrying way to live. From Jesus' own words, his own mouth. And so it should not surprise us to be stuck in between, doing what is right and the payoff. Because sometimes there's so many rewards and payoffs here and now. There's so many, more than we often see. We have to stop and look. But ultimately, far. It's coming. Near and far. Far and near. Don't forget it. The brothers and sisters that came before us in the first century, those first Christians, they understood this. 
And, and, and they got this. And it's so important for us to look back on that and realize it. Because a lot of times we look back on, on their journey and go, oh, man, I wish I was. What had been so cool to be where Moses was and Abraham and all these guys, you know, and see what they saw and, and all this kind of stuff. And, man, they're, they're the giants of the faith. Well, here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. The writer of Hebrews in that, the book in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11 talks about these great men and women of faith. Great men and women of faith and, and kind of gives us a snapshot of what made their life so great and how they followed Jesus and how they did the right thing, even when it was hard. And this is what he says. All these people, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, and many more, all these people were still living by faith when they died. And they did not receive the things promised. Did not receive them. See, this is the part that Christians don't like to talk about at parties. This is the part that doesn't make the bumper stickers. But this is where you and I live. We experience this. We just don't like to talk about it. So we got to talk about it. They, they died having not fully received all of the things that were promised. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In other words, they were looking far, not just near. Now, they wanted it near. I want it near. You want it near and here. Come on, we do. We're human. But they had to keep a far perspective. Look, they looked at them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth, meaning it's not just about here and now. It's not just about earth. It's not just about my life here and my job and my money and the car and the house and, and the vacations and all of that stuff. It's not just about the here and there. And I get so bummed when all that stuff doesn't align itself. And it's not just about my health here and there, right? We get so short-sighted. They saw far away too. And instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They saw the far. So we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. I want to show you something else. Paul was writing to Christians in Galatia in, in the first century, helping them understand this too. And he introduced a concept to them that has become very cliche to us. And it's so true. It was an agricultural term, but it applies to all of life. And we all understand it, whether or not we have backgrounds in agriculture and farming or not. And you know this. It's called you reap what you sow. See, I knew you knew it. You reap what you sow. But we almost always talk about you reap what you sow on the negative side. Like, you better watch out. You're going to reap what you sow, man. Oh, yeah, she's reaping what she sow. Right? Okay, that's true. And we got to keep that in mind. But it also works on the positive. It also works on the reward side of things. Look. Here's what Paul writes. Let us not become weary in doing good, in doing right, in doing what we should, living as we should, trusting and following Jesus. You fill in the blank. Don't grow weary because at the proper time, <laughs> proper time represents the in-between. That means there's a space there. It's not automatic. It's not always here and now when we want it. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so many of us give up. So many people tap out. I tried that, Pastor. I tried. I tried going to church. I tried. We tried giving and honoring God financially. <laughs> I tried eating well and, and exercising and, and all those things. I'm still no better. I tried. I went to doctors and just nothing. I tried. I, I, I got in a group and was serving and, and I, tried. I tried. We went to counseling. We tried everything. And, I just, and so many people quit before the payoff. 
They quit right before it gets, yeah, they quit right. I see it's all the time in marriages. People get divorced right before they've learned just enough about each other to get good at this sucker called marriage, right? I mean, you've got so much invested. You now know enough to make it great and you're quitting. I see people do it financially, right? They quit on their investments. They give up on their investments just about the time that the compound interest starts to kick in and it gets good. We see this in life. And what Jesus is helping us see here is just that the principle is that you will reap what you sow at the proper time. It's not always at my time, but at the proper time. So don't quit. Don't get, we don't know when the big reward is coming. Sometimes it's near and now, but ultimately it will be far. You're like, well, I don't like far. I want here and near. I'm with you. I don't like far either because I ain't there yet. But again, nobody's going to get to far and go, I want it near. Because when far becomes near and eternal becomes now, all will be worth it. It kind of comes back to motivation, really. It kind of comes back to motivation of why we do the right thing. Why we follow Jesus anyway. You ever thought about that? Take a few minutes and let's go there. Why do you do what's right anyway? Because when you find yourself stuck in between doing what's right and the payoff and the reward that you're wanting, you're like, why am I even doing this? There's probably a bunch of reasons, but I'm going to give you three. A lot of times we're just trying to avoid the negative. True, right? It's human nature. Right? I, I don't, I, I'm doing what's right because I don't want the consequences of doing wrong. So I'm doing right. And there's, not, there's nothing wrong with trying to avoid the negative. This is, hey, this is not bad. It's just kind of the base level motivation. It's kind of the most immature motivation. It's, it's about self-preservation and self-survival kind of thing. And when I was growing up, that's how, that's how Jesus was presented to us, right? The churches I grew up in didn't talk about Jesus much, but they talked about hell a lot, right? And then they literally tried to scare the hell out of us. And then it was like, hell, 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 Jesus. And I'm like, I'll take Jesus. I don't know what that means, and I don't know what that's about. I don't understand all of this stuff, but I just don't want that. Now, I'm not making light of this stuff. This stuff is, is real and serious and, and, all, and all means something, but I'm just trying to get you to see, right? Like, a lot of us signed up to following Jesus because all we were painted with is the negative picture of what happens if we don't. Mm. How would that work in your marriage, by the way? <laughs> not so great, Right? I'm, I'm doing this because I don't want her to leave me. Oh, that makes for a lovely Valentine's weekend, doesn't it? <laughs> right? I, I'm doing this because I just don't want, I, I don't want, I don't want, you know, him to, you know, cheat on me. Right? What about parenting? Doesn't make good parenting either. Ah, we're just doing this. We're trying to keep our kids out of jail. <laughs> I mean, it's great to keep kids out of jail, but it's kind of a base motivation. Are you with me? There's a better motivator than just avoiding the negative. I'm asking, why do you do what's right? If you do what's right to only avoid the consequences of doing wrong, I mean, there, I, let me suggest a better motivation. Here's a better one. Blessing. Sounds good, doesn't it? This is going to be a good, better, best thing, by the way. A good, better, best. I'm going to give you three. Good, better is blessing. Where, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. I do what I want to do and you do what you want to do, but we often do what we do because we want the kickback and there's nothing wrong with wanting the kickback. We're human beings. I want a great marriage. I want a great family. I want 
smart investments. I want a healthy body. I want things to go well. I want to experience blessing in my life so it makes sense for me to do these things. Nothing wrong with that either. Got to be careful because it can get a bit selfish. And it's better. It's better than just, I just don't want to get in trouble. But there's an even better one. Even better one. And it's called love. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Bet you could have guessed it. Love. That's the pure motivation. Do what you do out of love. Follow Jesus and do what's right because of love. Not so that God will love me because he already does love me. You see the difference? I, I, I do what's right. I trust and follow Jesus and I make wise choices at home and at work and finances and my health and all my life. Not so I'll get brownie points with God and God will love me more somehow. No, that's impossible. He can never love you more or less than he already loves you. It's not so that God will love me, but because he loved me so much and I can see evidence of this in Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. Because of that, it just makes sense. Out of gratitude. You see, let me show you just a snapshot of this, okay? We love because he, God, first loved us. It's a better motivator. It's a pure motivation. Get up every day motivated by love. And I don't mean, I don't mean the warm, fuzzy feeling, okay? When you think love, don't think warm, fuzzy feeling, okay? Because that comes and goes, and that's a part of it. But that comes and goes with hormones. It comes and goes with whether or not you were a jerk. That comes and goes with all kinds of stuff. Bad burritos, feelings come and go. When I'm talking about love, I'm not talking about warm, fuzzy feeling. Even though that comes and goes, I'm talking about a choice, a decision. God chose to love us. He sent Jesus. That was an action. That was a decision. And as a result, I reciprocate that love to other people and to him. And by the way, when you love others well, you're loving him well. And you can't love him well without loving others well. Those are connected. We'll talk about that in the upcoming series. Look at this. Paul writes, Christ's love compels us. Here's why I live the way I do. Here's why I do what's right. Because I'm compelled by Christ's love. He died for all. So that those who live will not live for themselves. Will not live just so I can be blessed. So that it's good for me. So that I can avoid the negative consequences of doing otherwise. Right? No. No. I'm doing this out of love. I don't want to live for me. I'm living for him who died for us and was raised again. Yeah. Paul puts it like this. I'm telling you, it's everywhere, all throughout the New Testament. I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's us. In view of God's mercy, in light of all the things that God has done for you, when you think about what God has done for you through Jesus, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, here's my whole life. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Did you know that worship is so much bigger than singing songs? It's how you live your life. Worship, I can make the argument that music, what we experience here is definitely a part of worship, but worship really happens or not Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday morning. See, this is why we're talking about why you do what's right. Why do you do the right thing? And some of you are like, that's what I'm doing. I go to church. I'm in a group. Great. Fantastic. 
I mean, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm volunteering and I'm serving. And I just don't understand. Great, you keep doing that. You keep doing that. Out of love. He said, give me a year. I mean, I've gotten crazy with it. I've even started giving financially. Great, fantastic. I even go to counseling, pastor. Okay, fine. Keep going. Lord knows we all need it. That's a good thing to do. They're not making all the changes I know to make. I'm just wondering when it's going to pay off. When's it going to come back and start working in my life? When is my life going to get better? Never forget, near and far. There's now and then there's eternal. And let me summarize it with this. When you're stuck in between doing the right thing, and the reward you want, then be faithful to do right. Keep doing it. Keep, don't stop. Don't quit before the payoff. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You never know how close you are to the reward, to the payoff when you sign out. Be faithful to do what's right and be motivated to do what's right by love. Not just because you want to be blessed and not because you don't want the negative consequences of doing wrong, but because of love. Because God has loved you so much through Jesus. And that Jesus loved you so much, he gave his life for you. And he has blessed you in so many ways already. There's so many benefits here and near and now. Be motivated by that love. And then trust God with the rewards. Trust God with the rewards. The rewards that are here and near. And the ones that ultimately will come far. You have to leave that to him. When I talk about this, Immediately, my mind goes back to something I heard a pastor in Atlanta, Dr. Charles Stanley, say many times. And I love the way he said it. He said, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Just obey God and leave all the consequences to him. What's he, say? what's he saying? He's saying, do what's right. Do what's right. Be motivated by love and then trust God with the rewards. And I know some of you feel like you're doing things that nobody else sees and it bothers you. And I get it. Isn't it frustrating when you do what's right and it's like nobody pays attention and like nobody knows. Nobody knows the right things you're doing behind the scenes and you could have fudged here, you could have cheated here, you could have scooted there financially and with your job or relationally and no one sees and nobody knows, you think. But here's the deal. God sees everything and misses nothing, and that's not a threat. You should be encouraged by that because he's the one that's keeping score anyway. It's okay. Now, I don't like it when no one sees, but it's okay if no one else sees because God is keeping score anyway. Far, near, near, and far. One day... We are told in the scriptures, and this is the goal. This is the goal, and it's a far focus because remember, far could be nearer than we can possibly imagine. We're told at the end of life, the goal is that we will stand before God and we will hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not perfect servant, not sometimes you don't read and follow the instructions servant, Okay, not sometimes you don't screw up. Okay, no, no, none of that. Good, you did everything you could to do good and be faithful 
to do good, to be faithful, to trust and follow Jesus in a way that is honoring to him. Well done. Well done. You say, well, that's great and everything. That's awesome. But I just wonder if it's going to be worth it. I want to see it here and near and now. I know, I know, I know. And you and I, we can hardly imagine the upside afar. We can hardly imagine how it's going to be worth it throughout all eternity, not just the here and near and now. It's hard for us to imagine. That's why. And I leave you with these words. We're told that no eye is seen and no ear is heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who, here we go, motivated by love, love him. It's worth it. Be faithful to do what's right. Be motivated by love and trust God with the rewards both here and near and far. Let's pray. Father, I need this reminder. I need this reminder. I think my brothers and sisters here and my friends that are gathered, we, we need this because a lot of us are doing everything we know to do. And no, we're not perfect. And yeah, we screw up a lot, but we're doing the best we can to live a life that is honoring to you. And, and we're looking around wondering, where's the payoff? Why, why are we not seeing better traction here? And, and we feel it relationally. We feel it financially in our jobs. We feel it with our bodies and our health. May we remember we are in between. We are in process. And we are waiting for the proper time when we will harvest what we have planted. And so, Father, may we stretch our perspective and know that we're not alone. So many have come before us, have experienced the very same thing. That's what living by faith is about. It's receiving whatever rewards come our way here and now, but keeping our eye on the fact that there is a far and eternal reality where it will all be ultimately rewarded and worth it. And the far may be nearer than any of us could possibly imagine. So may we not quit and give up and help us to be faithful. Give us strength to be faithful, to do what is right every single day. Being motivated by love, your love for us and our love for you and other people. And we trust you with the rewards. We leave all the consequences to you. In Jesus' name, amen.